welcome to the part two episode of the spiel with Dewey. And as well with the last episode, we're going to be talking about the um, miseducation of black America. So last episode, we talked about um, some stereotypes about black people being lazy, um, Africa's role in the transatlantic slave trade, and um, also white Jesus and the Black Panther Party. So if you um, didn't catch that episode and want to go back and those hear about those topics and what I had to say, go ahead and go do so. Um, some things are going to be similar, like I gave, like I said last time, uh, when I talk about these topics, um, I'm going to be referring to things historically and how they impact us now, because I think a problem with um, a lot of things, when we talk about them, we always make it kind of seem like it's a now thing and it's kind of new, but like more likely than not, things are just things in the world that are systematic and how we perceive things that always has a long background um, story to it. So, yep, there we go. So, I'm going to jump right into it. So, our next topic, a little stereotype or idea we have in the black community is that other races don't like um, black people. And I kind of define this as like one of the most um, detrimental um, or dividing mindsets or ideas we can have. And, you know... um, I think along with the fact that we think other races don't like us, it's also the fact that like they don't have a right to complain because um, as black people in our um, history and society or in this country, you know, we went through slavery and, you know, you know, I can't argue with that. Like, yes, our component, our large fact that, you know, for over 400 years, black people in the United States and around the world were in, in fact enslaved. Um... And you know, yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disagree with that. You know, and I think the one, maybe, um, social group we won't get as finicky or picky with is when it comes to native populations because, um, African American or African slaves were brought to the Americas because, um, the Native American or indigenous populations of this continent. Um, were being killed off, they were enslaved as well, but they were sick, their populations were dwindling, so African slaves were brought as a backup, you know. Um, Native Americans, they were going to war with the colonizers, they died from biological warfare, they had to continually get forced out of the East um, East Coast into the Western lands, so that's where it kind of, um, that's where we kind of seem to be sympathetic, or not sympathetic, but like empathetic, you know, like we kind of understand we won't get so rude and mean when it comes to Native Americans, because um, even today, sadly, like their populations are lower, I think the lower, lowest um, demographic in the United States, I could check that, but it's one of the lowest ones, so you know, black people, we won't be like, oh, you know, screw Cherokee people and other tribes, because obviously... We have some understanding of that, which you can so visually see. But when it comes to other groups, I feel like we're not understanding enough. So, um, I'm just going to get started uh, with um, Latinos, Hispanics, um, Chicanos, that whole demographic. And the real thing is just like, Latinos have technically always been in America. Um, you know, when we think of like the borders, um... It wasn't like preventing them from coming into these lands where we would um, eventually colonize and claim as our own. Like, um, like I mean, just for example, like Florida was a Spanish colony, and the state of Georgia was established in America. 
to act as a buffer colony. Um, Texas was originally part of Mexico. So, you know, as we or as Americans and and historically like forced themselves westward, there was obvious, obvious conflict. Um, Also, during um, the post-Civil War era, you know, as freed slaves and um, their descendants were trying to move north for labor, some areas of the South saw a um, increase, a high increase of of immigration from Mexico in that area. You know, Mexican immigrants were moving to work in the fields, and they were obviously exploited as well. And the communities of the South, um mingled and things like that you know you find black people with the last name like rodriguez and you know that is not a a normal english last name so you know you can't just assume that like oh well you know this is it i mean obviously some people or some black people have like a hispanic sounding last name due to the fact that like maybe a grandma or great grandma came from like cuba or puerto rico but like even some people have like this long historical like that's just been the name in the family you know so i think that says something um also after that wasn't just um mexicans um coming to the united states immigration from you know latin america continued after the spanish-american war puerto rico the philippines cuba and guam were released to the united states as territories from spain guam and puerto rico you know they're still territories today and you know people still from those areas uh they still move to the united states because you know our government is treating their land in their country disrespectfully so there's always that and you know even as these people immigrated to this country they face you know they face their own racism they face discrimination so things like you know th- uh discrimination within um education jobs health care and the similar things that we as African Americans in this country face. Um, when it comes to um, Asian immigrants, they moved to Hawaii and the West Coast for work. Then Hawaii was um, pretty much taken over and the kingdom was overthrown to become a, um, a United States, uh, become a state of the, this country. So there's also that when it comes to just the history of people in, in this country and how they view their citizenship, especially when you look at Hawaiian natives. And then with, <coughs> then you also just a big like, just terrible story that happened with the United States is also during World War Two when Japanese citizens and their families were um, put into these camps and you know they were forced to abandon their homes and their businesses and you know these weren't like immigrants who just came here but these were families who had been in the United States for generations who had settled down who were you know members of society and they just had to abandon everything to be in these camps for an extended amount of period because there was this whole freaky paranoia that you know if your Japanese um, neighbor was with you this whole time and it's like well wait a second one of there's a spy so it's like you know the neighborhood turned on you as if you haven't been there this entire time so just the way I think about it is kind of like relating to the good and bad activist narrative I talked about early on. You know, I, th- uh, I think an issue when it comes to black people in the Asian community is the fact that like white people try to make it seem like Asians are like the model minority. And I think that's just they've kind of like used their tr- uh, tradition because traditionally, you know, you'd have a sense of 
pride and honor and discipline within these Asian communities. And, you know, it was kind of some for some people, they've talked about how it's like frowned upon to protest, to speak against the government when it's like if you're having a problem, then you should just take it upon yourself instead of um, blaming it on others, I guess would be the negative way of saying it. So pretty much just white people have made the science, the silence, excuse me, of from Asian communities. Well, you know, they're not complaining about it. They're not doing anything about it. So, you know, why can't the black people and Hispanic people be like them? You know, they're not making a big deal. They're not stressing out the government. They're just accepting the systematic racism that's in our society. And I feel like this pretty much, you know, it just creates conflict, you know, that black people and Latinos and Chicanos, you know, they're the ones that are disrespectful and um, cause problems. And, you know, I just like black people just seem to make um, just to pick on on Asian Asian Americans. And I think it's kind of also goes with this like conception that like Asians don't like black people. So when we return that, we're kind of just like, well, we're just keeping the same energy. You know, you're coming at me sideways, so I'm just going to mirror it back onto you. But at the same time, I feel like it's just it's, it's just disrespectful for black people to be, you know, using racial slurs and being negative towards the Asian community. And I remember a couple months ago, there was this a few videos with two different, like, internet comedians, I guess they were called, who had gone into these um, Asian uh, family-owned restaurants, and they were carrying, like this like a fake dead animal like oh i found this in the bag oh is this what you're making our food in and it's just like why are we representing ourselves this way you know if we're saying that asian people are disrespectful and harmful to our communities but we go out and disrespect these people's livelihood where they used to support their family then you're just and you're embarrassing and disrespecting them you know I feel like it just goes both ways, you know, we can't be saying this and that about other people when we're consistently doing negative things, you know, we're calling them in- inappropriate racial slurs, but then if they do it back to us, and it's like, well, this racist is like, well, you're being disrespectful and racist to them too, when, you know, we're just part of different communities, but that doesn't mean to separate us, and, you know, um, I think another component as to why there might be some conflict or some just what's a better way to describe this not necessarily conflict but just some like unknowing like this gray area I guess between like Asian and black communities is because like these far eastern or just in general these Asian countries like there are not a lot of African diaspora communities so you know that means that when if your family migrates from Japan or Korea or Vietnam to the United States and all of a sudden you know you're interacting with someone who looks different and acts completely different than you and you have no kind of way of um understanding or educating yourself in this then i feel like that kind of creates this sort of like it's like kind of ignorance but not in a like harmful you know disrespectful way but it's like you know if i live in this country and all i've seen of, of black people in the united states is what i see from tv and then that's why the media plays a hand where it's like well most of the movies about black people are them either being slaves gangs you know just violent stuff and it's like i that's all i know so that's all i go understand when i come to this country and i see them so i feel like granted while not the perfect excuse and you know you can't obviously excuse some of the racial uh tensions and incidents amongst these uh our communities but at the same time you know 
it's all about learning and exposing yourself exposing and just trying to understand each other and come to me in the middle and be like no this isn't right about our community and this isn't right about your community and you know just overall just a learning process you know and obviously i'm not trying to like (laughs) excuse racial incidents i know there have been like times where there's real like racism between a latino or his asian person against a black person and that's not okay either but i always feel like you know we always want to look at things from our point of view only and make these assumptions and while while racism is kind of a hard topic to like say hey think of it this way in some instances it is because not everything is such a violent (coughs) you know a violent like disrespectful incident sometimes it's just learning and dealing with ignorance and correcting someone gently and not being aggressive and taking everything so personal um i think honestly nowadays when it comes to any type of real tension between our communities i personally feel like the reason why (coughs) we're so uneasy or we seem like we're just aggressive with one another is because of the pace of the government you know during the civil rights movement um in the west coast you know cesar chavez was trying to improve the rights of migrant workers in the agriculture industry and the voting rights uh, the voting rights act was passed in 1965 to guarantee uh voting rights and then but then two years just or two or three years prior to you know native americans were fighting for the same right to have a guaranteed vote and even now you know there's still some states that are uh trying to restrict their right to vote and there's more about that on from the history channel's website so i think for me when you kind of like take back and look at it i think it's just because it takes so long for our government to do anything to liberate and for any type of activism to happen that when it comes to multiple different racial and uh social groups we're trying to like get the government's attention for laws that make our lives better so it kind of seems like there's competition but I think it's just important that we're not making it seem like, you know, my problems are more important than yours because, you know, with this white dominant, you know, slow to do anything government, that's kind of what it makes it feel like. Where it's like, well, you know, there's police brutality going on, so we should try to fight that for the government. But then it's like, hey, um, there are still, you know, kids in cages and being separated from their families and children being deported without their families. And that's not necessarily two different things that have to happen at two different times. It just takes the political action to be like, hey, both of these problems are equally important and we need to address them. So, you know, there is some unification within our country. But, you know, we don't need to, you know, like I said, you just we don't need to compete for each compete within um, our communities and with the government. So I just like to hope that, you know, as our government continues to get more diverse, you know, we open up, we learn and support one another, you know, and not just make it easier for, you know, the white man to continue to oppress us and things like that. You know, we have to learn about each other, communicate, open up, you know, so we're not mirroring ignorance that we feel like is being displayed and we're not disrespectful to other communities. And, you know, there's going to be uh, some other like racial issues amongst minorities, you know, when you talk about uh, colorism and then just the limited multicultural things that happen with these, you know, European colonization on the lands where we all come from. But at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're all human beings. You know, we all just gotta, we all gotta stick for each other out of many one people type of thing. 
So yeah, moving on to our next topic. So going back to slavery, um, well, we're going to talk about kind of this complexity when it comes to relationships in our communities. But going back to slavery, um, slaves were technically not allowed to get married. These um, domestic unions were not recognized and families, you know, didn't have to stay together. So it was very easy for, you know, someone to come in or not someone, but, you know, your slave master to come take your child away and then your family separated or if you get sold away from your child to a different plantation and so that was always an issue and then when it comes to the treatment by um, slave owners you know both men and women were equally raped and so there was obviously like strain within the relationship and then the strain kind of continued and trickled down to the future generations and you know as later on we were freed now we're trying to find ourselves conform to society's uh, gender roles but there's still some difficulties in that you know when it's like the woman's trying to be strong but then she has to be supportive of her husband if he's tired but then she's breaking that she might take that out on her kids or the dad takes it out on the wife and the kids and all this just history of conforming and things like that so however i feel like right now we're trying to um black men and women are trying to be more respectful and honest with each other however um even along that there is this kind of controversy of you know if a black person is in an interracial relationship then they're a sellout and i think this is kind of like a complex topic when it comes when it in a kind of um comes with um equal or not equal multiple viewpoints you know because um during slavery a woman or others you know could be raped as you know um as a violent act for humiliation uh discipline purposes um the same thing goes with men you know slaves were abused for sadistic purposes as a way to humiliate them but probably in a terrible way that brought some pleasure to these slave owners whether it was the um man or the woman who was um in that higher position so it would kind of make sense with this kind of history that like after slavery you know freedmen would be cautious cautious when it comes to mingling around with white people especially with you know racism at the time was so prevalent but then you know there are other couples who you put their differences aside and try to be um together even when interracial couples were illegal in the united states and for some reason, you know, I guess they're still seen as this kind of weird taboo. I've heard stories from, like, my friends and classmates, you know, now, like, currently, who've been given uh, strange looks, have been approached by people, you know, and they're, when they're out with their significant other, if, you know, no, this, it's, this um, being approached comes from black and white people, too. And, you know, and some of them aren't old either, you know, they'll make comments like, oh my gosh, you're together, wow, or you're with a white dude, or wow, you got yourself a black girl, and things like that, and it's like, oh, okay, this is definitely not appropriate, and, you know, we're being singled out as if, you know, there aren't other couples around, so, <clears throat> I think the issue just with this whole, like, being a sellout ment mentality is, like, in order, you have to, like, prove your blackness to another black person you know and i've seen like different t-shirts and posts with black men you know they're saying oh i only 
everyday black women and i know you know i know the intent is to be supportive and appreciative towards black women and you know how we love our black kings and things like that but i don't really think we're saying this in the right manner if that makes sense you know i wouldn't go so far as to limit myself into just a single racial group even if you know them them themselves have a better understanding of what it means to be black in this country you know i feel like that puts too much emphasis on a person's skin tone rather than them as a person because you know obviously with just people in general there are terrible black people you know there are terrible black people just as they're bad white people in other races you know you can still get abused and mistreated so you know you don't get like this immediate bonus point for being black in my eyes and also like but on the other side i also feel like i understand the cautiousness of when it comes to like dating outside your race and if that makes sense because it's like over you know centuries black people have been like fetishized by white people you know slaves were seen as the forbidden fruit white people had black mistresses as this like exotic way to get away from their white wives and i feel like and that's one issue but then i also feel like on the other side i see the same problem when it comes to black men dating white women at the time at times because it's like you know you're trying to escape some type of something this constant reminder of your blackness and this racial oppression so you're gonna date a white woman who quote-unquote makes you forget what it means to be black in this country you know doesn't that doesn't reflect this um, oppression you feel in general so you know you go out and you look for the same thing in a white woman that you try to um that you that makes you forget about black women you know you try to seek refugees but in the same time you know you see certain black men who are with white women who try to like who objectify them for having similar black features or quote-unquote black features like you know bigger butts um lips and thighs you know even if it's not natural even if it is you know so i think that's kind of like just the issues when it comes to um interracial couples you know you're not being a sellout if you want to if you genuinely just care and love for another person who happens to not be black or whatever but then there's the cautious side of like am i just an actual person or i'm just this fetishized objectification thing that you use for pleasure because i'm different but you know if you're black you know don't go looking for a white person to make you forget about your blackness and then you're trying to whitewash yourself in a way you know i think that's just what's important like you're always going to be black if you're not with your wife or your husband or whatever and you're alone in this or not alone in this country but out in the world by yourself you're going to be seen as a black person and just having that companionship as a way to escape all that is just it's not good you know companionship is deeper than skin tone and appearances you have to value a person for their mind you know for their personality and how they treat others that's what's important at the end of the day and lastly for my final topic of this two-part um currently two-part series i kind of want to talk about the silence demographic in our country white trash there's this um really interesting book i've been reading by nancy eisenberg titled white trash the 400 year untold story of class in america and the whole book pretty much explains how poor white people have been overlooked and systematically taught to hate black people and you know because for years it just genuinely like confused me how you know these poor white people would still find it in their hearts to hate people 
you know of other minorities and or, or the races um like that you know we're just like low-key going through the same thing as them you know lower income white people face domestic violence you know labor exploitation alcoholism other issues and prevalent things just the same as black people and other minorities in this country and i had to like i just i knew there was a reason for the hostility towards us but i wasn't sure why so i started reading i did more research and pretty much the thing is to kind of wrap up what i've been reading so far is the fact that like poor white people have been exploited and mistreated by a government since the colonial times since pre-revolutionary war yes they were violence against violent against the natives but in terms of like the american social hierarchy they have been looked down upon as dirt and lazy by you know by these great individual or quote-unquote great individuals that were all taught in school to you know respect and praise for their role in our country you know like george washington benjamin franklin thomas Jeff- jefferson you know all those racist people so i think what the real issue is about when it comes to racism and poor white people is the fact that like the thing in a way that keeps them going is the fact they're not they're not black like the one thing that has brought them some type of peace i guess would be the fact that hey i'm going through all this but i'm not a nigger you know i'm not going i'm going through all this but you know i had pride i didn't have to come here legally and do all these things you know you could look at somebody and be like oh you know there's a poor nigger oh there's such a burden it's such a bad thing to be black but at the same time you know we're in the same situations or some of us are in the same situations you know you're in line right next to me getting your welfare check you know you're trying to get the job at the same place we're being exploited by the same company and things like that so i just i feel like at the end of the day it's just really annoying at first but it's also just sad because we should just all come together to take down these corporations and these politicians that have been using and abusing us but instead we're just over here arguing about racism instead of trying to fix that problem because you know it's not really a you versus me situation but it's you know uh, us versus them the oppressor the ones who are making our lives miserable so that's that's that guys thank you for listening to this two-part episode um i hope you've learned something you know thought about something i've said and want to talk to talk about it with your peers and other people and just you know if you're interested in anything i talked about read educate yourself you know send me a message follow me on instagram and twitter at the spiel that stewie and until next time thank you for listening again stewie out